Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about setting your own agenda. Yes, we like to set our own agendas, don't we? <laughs> yes. So uh, this, well, do you want to start with the sort of a jumping off point? Yeah. So uh, I have a coaching client and we were on our usual call and um, he started to explain this situation with a client where he's been doing what I'm going to call a thing for this mm-hmm. particular client. And he's got a retainer relationship. So he tends to, if the client says, you know, I need this, as long as it's within the scope, he, he does that. So in this particular case, this thing he'd been doing for half a year and he hated it. Mm. Just hated doing it for all sorts of reasons, not the least of which it was once the the beginning had been uh, or once he'd figured out the whole process at the beginning from that point on it was really tactical mm-hmm. and this is a guy who's very strategic he really doesn't want to be doing tactical things in the business so as he's telling me about how he he told the client i'm not going to after the end of the year i'm not going to do this thing anymore and the client said oh well then you better find somebody and put them on your payroll because we need to get that done and so my client was in the process of, you know, figuring out how to get that done. And I said, wait, 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 time out. Yeah. <laughs> Why are we doing this? And so, you know, we went through that whole discussion about, you know, whose agenda is this really? And there isn't a reason in this particular case why he needs to do this anymore. It didn't fit with his business model. It didn't fit with the way he likes to work. It doesn't fit with where he's taking his business. He's got a very Mm -hmm. specific plan to continue to morph it in a certain direction. And so, you know, no, we're not going to do this. <laughs> right, and no so, an option. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was interesting. And so, you know, the next question, which I would advise everyone to always ask is, so what's the worst thing that could happen? Mm-hmm. Right? So the worst thing is that the client could walk away. And I said, okay, so let's just assume that for the moment. So what would that look like? How? What would the financial hit look like? We talked about that. Wasn't worried about it. Um, what would it do in terms of the story you have to tell? wasn't worried about it. I said, I, I think your pathway is clear. Yeah, pretty and, obvious. Yeah. And it was like this huge weight was lifted off of his shoulders because he wasn't trying to twist himself up like a pretzel mm-hmm. to meet this client demand. Right. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I see all variations on this, tons of variations, everything from like you get this spectrum of clients, maybe one, I'm guilty of this for sure, where you just really love the client, but your, mm-hmm. your business is going in a different direction. You just don't want to break up with them because yeah. it's fun to talk to them <laughs> and you're getting paid. And even though it's, you know, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got like these sort of abusive clients and it's almost like you just keep your head down. You don't want to like poke the bear and have the either, you know, I'm talking about a breakup <laughs> conversation here, but it's like, it could just be, it could just be breaking up over one particular thing like that you've fallen into doing, like some tactical thing that you've fallen into doing. But, you know, there's, there is, I, I suppose it's, you know, I think it's probably makes sense for someone who's maybe uh, gone, you know, didn't go through a consulting firm and, and like was in-house doing whatever they do and they go out freelance or they become a consultant after being a, in a having a boss and then forgetting that you don't have to do everything your clients ask. Yeah. You know, it's like they're exactly. not your boss. And I love the exercise that you went through. Just like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? Is that really a big deal? And they're like, well, no, it's not. And that that sense of relief 
I've heard that story a bunch of times from people who mm-hmm. um, usually for me, it's not, it's usually not like cutting out one thing. It's usually kind of, it's usually more all or nothing where they, they feel like they need to, um, that, I mean, they don't, they would never say it like this, but they are trapped in the relationship. And mm-hmm. even though it doesn't align with their strategy, and this happens all the time when people are first ditching hourly because they've got all these hourly clients. Yeah. And how do, you know, how do I, you don't have to break up with them. You can, you know, you could say to them, look, I'm taking my business uh, in, in a different direction. I'm going to maybe offer different uh, services, uh, or at least you're going to package them differently for sure. Um, and sometimes if you do have a really good relationship, you can, ha- you can have that conversation, but here's the thing. It's your business. If you want to, you know, stop doing tactical work, you do more strategic work, or if you want to start just doing advisory retainers on a monthly basis or some other kind of retainer on a monthly mm-hmm. basis instead of hourly, whatever these things are, you know, like you look, think of your options, you know, on the one hand, you could just, you know, t- tell everyone like, look, I'm doing this now, take it or leave it. I, you know, I'd love to keep working with you, but you know, here's the new deal. Like that's totally, you know, you that's that. totally fine. Yeah, you can do mm-hmm. that. And the other option is, and I, I've had this conversation many times with people, the other option is staying with the client and not not changing. And, and it's like, well, so when, so you, you agree that you want to make this change, let's say over to retain, monthly retainers. Yes, I want to do that. Okay. Um, and when are you going to do it? If not now, like when this client maybe fires you in three years or 10 <laughs> years, like, like you're just going to let this huge change uh, be up to someone else, basically put it on someone else's agenda, someone others, some, someone no. else's timetable. It's like, no, like people, people will adapt, right? Like you, you know what I mean? Like they're adults, they understand that will, if you're, especially if you're dealing with a business owner, they're going to understand that, you know, whatever, you're making some changes to your business. Um, and I know it's not fun. Certainly if you're breaking up with them, that's, that's always pretty bad. It's always, it's always no fun. Um, but, but making little changes like this, uh, yeah, you got to do it. You, you, it's your business. You have to do it. Uh, it doesn't mean you need to be mean about it, but you do have to do it. Well, I think I, I want to give an example of a breakup that happened to me, happened to me, not that I did, um, Mm -hmm. when my VA of nine years um, (laughs) resigned. And but she did it for all the right reasons for her business. And she'd been sending me cues for probably two years. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. a surprise to me. And I genuinely wish her well. I mean, she she changed her whole model. She moved to a retainer model. She changes exactly how she's working. And she only has three clients instead of multiple ones. That's what happens when you let them listen to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But I wish her all the best. And I, you know, timing is never perfect. But I, you know, I totally get it. She handled that really perfectly. Um, you know, that's, that's the thing. Breakups don't have to be ugly. But the other thing is that sometimes what we think might lead to a breakup doesn't at all. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that example I mentioned, there was no breakup yeah. with that client. Yeah. So here, this is a classic thing for, um, for folks that are new to doing advisory retainers to they're, they're like, wow, um, this is highly profitable. You know, the, the client, especially if this, this is a common pattern, it doesn't happen all the time. A common pattern is 
somebody gets hired on retainer to, to do advisory work. So it's, it's for the first time. So they're not building stuff. They're not doing stuff with their hands. They're, they're an Oracle they're, you know, people call them, ask a question, they get an answer, uh, and it's over. Or maybe there's a little bit of research or something you have to do, but it doesn't feel like a lot of work because you already put in all the work to become an expert at whatever mm-hmm. your subject area is. So all the work has been done. So you're sort of you're sort of living off of the annuity of yeah. having put in the hard work and being able to give people good answers that they trust. So, uh, but then you're getting like ten thousand dollars a month for, you know, a, a small amount of maybe no FaceTime, maybe a couple of phone calls. Um, a lot of times, the first month or two will be kind of busy compared to maybe a few months later when whatever whatever the overall undertaking is. You know, if you're overseeing some kind of a project or whatever. And people are, you know, uh, less engaged because they the, the plane's in flight. Like, they're, they don't mm-hmm. need to be on it as much. They don't have, need to be on you as much. So things get s- sort of, it feels slow. It feels like you're making money for nothing because you're, yes. you're essentially an insurance policy. And you're there in case something goes wrong with the plane. You're not there, like, flying it. So... It's a weird transition, too. It's a weird feeling. Yeah. It's like, I'm, ju- I'm just... Not doing very much, but I'm yeah. getting paid a lot. Oh, that feels weird. <laughs> Until right. you get to the point where that feels good. Yeah. And and you also get feedback from the clients that they're like, you know, I've heard people say like, we're not paying you enough. I want to pay you more so you stay like, stay with us and not on other people. Yes. But so what can happen when the workload goes down, but the pay doesn't, is that you can, you can feel like you need to do something to earn the money even though mm-hmm. so in other words the scope creeps your own fault yes and and you start to do well you know i could whatever um i could do code reviews or i could you know i don't know change your uh, oh yeah like here's a classic one oh i'll spin up a few servers for you or like um i'll do uh i'll do an example uh prototype you could just keep you could just use it you know i'll do the prototype it'll be faster if i just do it mm-hmm. stuff like that and trying to trying to justify your fee, even though no one's asking you to, and then one, yeah. but once you start doing that, then it's the slippery slope. Then now all of a sudden the the architect is cleaning the bathrooms. It's it's like well, I guess that's what you do now. Okay, so you know, so you can um, when you're new to advisory retainers, it can be your own fault if you if you feel like you need to prove that you're earning your money to kind of slip into these things that which then later you start to resent you you you, you might resent it immediately but you start to resent it or it starts to they start to ask for more they start treating you more like an employee or a pair of hands and get a little bossier um, they start they can start to expect these things that you've thought you were doing as a favor or you know just oh we just did that mm-hmm. one month because it was slow and then you need to get back on i mean so i guess there's really two things here it's like first of all stick to your agenda you know, stick to the stuff that you are there for, the the stuff you got hired to do. But then if you did kind of slip, then, you know, politely but firmly be like, oh, you know, I sort of did these things last month or, or last year, uh, but I'm not, you know, it's, but that was just a favor or you like whatever the, whatever the story is. Um, but when you can pull, sort of extricate yourself from that, whether it was scope creep on your own behalf or scope creep from the client. It's kind of about, you know, setting the boundaries and saying like, no, I don't, I don't do that. If you want me to put you in touch with someone, then I'd happy to do that. But I'm not going to hire someone to do it. I'm not going to manage someone. That's not my business model. 
um, we're not in the business of doing whatever this thing is um, and just, you know, help them, help them find someone maybe that might be in your wheelhouse. Yeah. yeah. I, mm-hmm. Usually that's the, that's the solution. And it makes a big difference to the client because they're, they're, they usually don't have any ill intent in asking right. you to do something. They're just happy because they know you're good. They know they can rely on you. And usually what it is, is it's something that you feel is a little beneath you. And by beneath you, I don't mean in an ego sense, but it doesn't require your highest, best skill set. So right. if you're really a strategist and you're doing execution, you, to your point, you are going to resent that at some point. Mm. And the, the key is, if you can, is to recognize the first time that you're doing it to yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the important thing, because usually that's what happens is we do it to ourselves. The client asks because they don't really care about our business model. They don't think about it. They figure we care about our business model. If they ask us something that doesn't make sense, they assume we'll say no. Right, right. Yeah, no's a possibility in their mind. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the problem absolutely. is when it's not a possibility in your mind. The, yeah. You know, your own yeah. mind. Yeah. And it's, I, I always think about it as when somebody asks me for something like that, I always think first, okay, is this, am I executing for them or am I strategically showing them the way? And there's a difference. And whenever I do have one execution client left, so that one aside, but every other thing, if it starts to veer into execution, that's when I say stop and not even necessarily to the client, but to myself. Mm -hmm. Okay, stop. There's a line here and you want to be helpful, but you want to show them how to do it, not do it for them. There's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. With me, it uh, comes up with me with websites. So a lot of people I work with, they either, believe it or not, don't have a website or their website really needs to be overhauled from scratch. Hmm. You know, maybe they're they're switching, they're increasing their altitude. So if they were a developer, you know, they, you know, freelance developer, they want to start doing training or they want to move into hmm. uh, strategy or architecture. Or if they're a copywriter, they're going to start doing positioning uh, or messaging instead of actually writing the copy or whatever. But they're mm-hmm. going to go, they're going to go up a higher altitude. Right. And they have to totally redo their website. And, you know, like a, a classic a, 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 a quicksand for me would be doing the website. So like, like yeah. if someone's like, so, so my uh, boundary line with that stuff is I will have them, you know, I'll, I'll give them, say, like, here's a template for this page that you need to write. So like this, you need to write this page. I'm not going to write it. Sometimes we workshop it together on a phone call, but I'm not going to write it. Um, Here's the template. You fill it in and just do it in Google Docs. No design, no fanciness, no animations or anything. Just the copy. I'll go over the copy. And then like if they're they're non-technical, it's like I have done this a couple of times where I'm like, well, you know, they're like, I can't. I don't know WordPress. I don't know how to do this. And like, I don't know WordPress either, but I am technical. So I'd be like, well, you know, let's do a screen share and show you like you log in and should poke, we'll poke around. And I'm like, God, does anybody use this? <laughs> it's so confusing. <laughs> I love it. Oh, so I love WordPress. Uh, it's, I, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> um, I'll send them to you next time. No. Yeah. So what, so in, in right away, I'm like, this is a giant 
waste of, like this is a, not it's not a waste of time it's like a misuse a misuse yeah yeah and so like lately i've been now i should i should have got an affiliate referral link for for knapsack because i've sent like five people to knapsack in the in the past year probably to to just have their website done from scratch in squarespace mm-hmm. they're so great they are so great yeah because the hard part is getting the copy the, right. And you're actually better off doing it just in a document without anything else. So you're really clear on what you're saying. And I say the easy part, easy for me to say, because I can't do a website. But <laughs> once you have the copy, the rest of it is is execution. Yeah, yeah it does itself almost. Yeah. Almost. Well, yeah, if you've done the copy in a way that organizes the site, so you know how mm-hmm. many pages you want, what's on each mm-hmm. page, and then you can say, oh, this is how many images we need, this is what kind we need, and then you can give all of that to whoever's going to execute the website, and they're happy because they usually never get everything all at once. They'll be <laughs> thrilled. Right, yeah, instead of pulling teeth and like mm-hmm. uh, in like a million revisions and so forth. But yeah, so that's that's just an example of something that that there is this sort of gravitational pull that I have to resist. So like, I, you know, it's, it's tempting um, to, to just do it for them. Same thing with setting up drip, like setting up drip. Um, it, it's tempting for me to like, let me just do it. Cause it would kind of be faster than teaching them how to do it. <laughs> but, but you know, yeah. then you're, then you're back to hands-on work and it's like, well, what's really the goal? What's the outcome here? So anyway, the point is that the point is that it's, this. I have to imagine anybody who's in this sort of advisory or consultative relationship with a client, um, you've got lots of skills, you can do lots of things, and the client sees you as a very capable person. And so it would be natural for them to say, you know, to ask for your help with something that that they need help with. And you you just have to be like, you will regret it if you don't politely say no and give them another solution. It's like, oh, I won't leave you high and dry. Go talk to Knapsack. They're, they will do a beautiful job. It'll be yes. however much it is. It's a fixed price. You'll be done in one day. And, I, you know, I can pretty much guarantee you're going to be happy with it. Yeah, because so, in that situation, they're buying your strategic advice. They're not mm-hmm. buying, you know, what do I put in this box and where do mm-hmm. I put the, on this page? It's just... Yeah. It, and How do I make this align left? Yeah. yeah. If I'd known about Drip, I would have called you, but... Um, <laughs> I became self-sufficient in ConvertKit. So, yes. Yeah. Right. See, so, and that's an example. You might not have been doing somebody a favor if they weren't highly technical and you stuck them in drip. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't get me going on drip. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is, this is a normal thing is the point. And the, the, yes. it's normal that you're probably going to get requests for stuff that's, not where you want to take your business and and doing it that first time that's the the perfect time to say no is before the first time like when the first ask happens or when you first think you're going to do it of your own volition and then you're like you know what this is probably a huge mistake like that's the best time to do it is before it starts the second best time to do it is right now (laughs) yes exactly no yeah if you know you hate uh, configuring someone's drip or you hate uh, whatever doing their podcast art or you hate doing roadmaps so like that that's another one somebody just recently came up it's just like i cringe when i have to do this like i dread it like if you're mm-hmm. sensitive to your feelings and you you dread something in your own business well stop doing it yeah right like, exactly like, yeah 
like exactly. be sensitive to that dread. It's not, it's not a normal, that's not like a cost of doing business is there's stuff you dread doing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like the beauty of running your own business is you can like either delegate it or stop doing it or whatever. You just, just stop doing it. Yeah. And it, it's funny because you do have to think about that. It, it, we're not wired to do that. We're supposedly, we're growing our businesses. Clients come to us and say, will you do this? We're excited. We like the client. We, we love what they're trying to do. And especially if you're in the early stages, you're looking for revenue. Yeah. And then, so yeah, after that first couple of years. They say you know, yes to everything. Yeah. Like I'm not saying yes to that. I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Ugh. In fact, I had a a neighbor I was helping think through where they're going with this new business they're setting up and and he wanted to pay me. And I said, no, this is a neighborly kind of thing. We just sat for a couple of hours and brainstormed. It was fun. I was like, no, 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 you're no, I don't want to turn this friendship into a business relationship. And then so then he said, oh, but don't worry, when I get this all ready, I'm going to come to you to do the website. (laughs) I was like, oh, no, 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 you're not. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. But it was I mean, I mean, it was he was trying to be nice but I yes. was like no I I won't I won't do that for a paying client and I certainly am not going to do it for free for anybody except mm, myself send him to knapsack <laughs> yeah yeah this show brought to you by knapsack and and actually I we have a few people in our audience who are doing um website in today kind of stuff so we, we've got mm. quite a few options for that now yeah it's, it's great um okay so the the I kind of I keep getting pulled back to like the breakups. Um, the one of the yeah. I, I'm like tempted to give some approaches here. Some like like how do you do this? Um, and certainly if it's just like a, a one off kind of out of scope task, then you can just you know politely say no and point them in another direction. Um, but if it's a bigger deal, um, like you're changing the way you're changing your whole business model. That can be a pretty big pill for people to swallow, especially if they're used to getting you at like bargain basement hourly rates. So the the approach that I like to take uh, with myself, I've done it and with with um, students as well, is to just think of it like this. It's like I'm making I'm taking my business in a different direction and, uh, you know, I'm not. So our relationship is going to come to an end, but I'm not going to leave you high and dry. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out, you know, let's let's get together, make a, a plan for like a, a handoff to someone else or setting you up with some kind, you know, mm-hmm. onboarding you with a, a different a different whatever you do or whatever you used to do and just take care of them in the in the sort of ramp down phase. And this is I mean, it's kind of like. Like imagine if you've ever been, I don't know, fired. Um, there's like a like from a job job. You know, I'm aware of. I'm certainly aware of employers who do a really good job letting people go, and employers who do a really <laughs> bad job letting people go. Yep. So it's like you know, pack your things. The guard will escort you out. That's not a great way to go. The guard will watch you pack your desk up and escort yeah, exactly. you to the door. Yeah. And the and the other way around is like we're gonna keep keep paying you until you're back on your feet or until you get another job. I've heard like I've mm-hmm. heard of extremely um, not permissive but uh, supportive kind of exit plans like that. And it's yeah you kind of want to be the second boss but with your client. So you know how can you kind of let them down easy not with the sort of not with the way that you deliver the information but how do you how do you 
sort of I'm, with my hands, I'm kind of like ramping down. How do you ramp the engagement down or hand it off to someone else or whatever? But you, but it's perfectly normal and fine for you to say to them, look, I'm taking my business in a different direction. So, you know, our time is coming to an end or a relationship. This, this is going to be ending. Like, let's set up a call and figure out the smoothest transition we can. Um, and that's, so that's one way. But let me just jump in a little bit there because I think it's really important in that scenario to be clear about your timeline. So the way I think about it is you have before, you have after, and then there's this transition period. Mm -hmm. And the more complex your business, perhaps the longer the transition period. But I think you want to be really clear on what that is so that you manage to it, but also you're managing your clients to it so that they're not, oh, gee, I couldn't possibly have a meeting until three weeks from now when you have a one-month transition, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, so it it makes it clearer and actually easier for them to understand that there's a limited time frame. And if they don't move, they're not going to get supported. Yeah, definitely. That's a great point because there's, I have seen that happen where it's like, okay, we're going to, um, we're going to do this transition is going to happen. It's going to be, I'm going to give you kind of like a month notice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the client is one of those sort of fire drill clients and they're just like, yeah, 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 whatever. And they procrastinate <laughs> or they don't, you know, and then like six weeks after the month, they're like, okay, we're ready to do. And you're like, no, that you, you know, okay. so yeah, so you don't want to be in that scenario. So in the month when you're actually still engaged, you know, be proactive about making sure that they're they're doing their, you know, that they're not going to crash the plane. You want to land the plane, not crash the plane. So, you know, so that they have a smooth landing, you might have to kind of bird dog them a little bit. That's mm-hmm. that's definitely true. Yeah. I've seen yeah. that more than once. Um, the other thing, another thing that happens just to get a little tactical here is, is folks, you know, they're not, they're not, yeah, I guess it's a business model again. It's like it's like um, they are going to change the way they price, or maybe they already have ditched hourly billing, and they're just gonna—they're just realize they've dramatically underpriced themselves mm. because they're attracting people who would pay double. So you, uh, the, uh, this is an approach that I've had people people. It's I don't. It's not passive aggressive, but it's kind of like you 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 don't mind your clients, but they're just, you just want to get paid more. You just feel like you're entitled right. to more value. You're not capturing enough value from the, the situation and you'd be fine working with them if you're getting paid more, but it's tough to, it's tough to have that conversation like, oh, you need to pay me twice as much now. Yeah. Really tough. Yeah. So uh, I've seen this work a couple times in the past, not often, but if you do want to stay with the client and just raise your prices dramatically, you can just say to them, Hey, look, you know, in, 2022 I am dramatically raising my prices and so you know I'm sure you guys are not going to want to stay with me so let's talk about finding you a replacement and they'll almost always say well how much like how like mm-hmm. how much is dramatically more and if and and then you then there's potentially interest and then you can have a conversation around it but if you lead with I'm leaving <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> there's no way you're going to want to pay my new prices after working with me for 2 years at at these rates like yeah I'm, I'm going to really be increasing prices and they say well how much it's like no you seriously you're not you're not going to want to <laughs> you're not going to want to pay this much um uh, then they are almost surely going to be like if they know that they are underpaying you or if they feel like they have been or there's more value than what they're paying you, they will almost definitely want to have this conversation because it's worth it to them. So in other words, like whatever it is that you're doing is so far below the value that they're getting that they'll happily pay you more. Yes. 
Yeah. I mean, I did that once with a, a web guy that was, I was introducing him to the client and I said, listen, the first thing you need to do is change your prices. Your price, your price tag's too low. Mm. It's like, well, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're off by a factor of, you know, X. It's, well. You actually do your clients a favor by having that conversation with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, you just can't necessarily expect that they are going to go with a double your price option, but sometimes they do. Right. And if you present it in a way where you're perfectly comfortable to like leave them, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. almost like you take the emotional pressure off of them because you're saying, look, I, I know you guys are not going to want to spend, you know, afford me or however you want to put it. I know you guys can't afford me. I wouldn't say that, but I, I know I'm going to dramatically raise my prices. I'm sure you guys are not going to be cool with that. So that's all right. You know, we can, we can part ways. Let's talk about, and you already move into the breakup phase mm-hmm. instead of imagine the conversation. If it was like, Hey Bob, um, listen, I'm thinking about doubling my prices. What do you say? You know, <laughs> it's like, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But if you're, if you have one foot out the door, it totally, totally changes the, the, the framing of it. And then they're like, then it's like, well, wait, 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 <laughs> Maybe there's something we can work out because, you know, again, this is one of those if you're in a situation where you really like the client and you feel like you're doing good work. But, you, you know, you talk to someone like us and we're like, yeah, your prices are like you need to add a zero or something. Mm-hmm. And and they're like, well, I don't want to fire all my clients and start from scratch. That seems scary. So that's that's a good conversation to have. It's like, look, it's it's going to be, I'm going to be too expensive next year or whatever, however you want to put it. Yeah. And that's the thing though, the way you define that scenario is you really like the client and you feel like you're doing good work. It's both, right? You can be doing good work, but not like the client, or you can like the client and go, eh, this isn't my highest, best use. But when you have both of those together and it's really what you're charging that is the issue, that's when having that discussion, no matter how difficult it feels to even think about it, it's a gift, not only mm-hmm. to you, but it's a gift to the client because otherwise you're just going to disappear or you're going to get mad one day and snap at them about right, that something too. that has nothing to do with your annoyance about your, your fees. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, think of it like this. So, so dear listener, you're not going to, whatever, whatever clients you have right now, you're probably not going to have them in a year or two. You're almost definitely not going to have them in three. So the relationship is not meant to be, you know, forever and ever. Amen. It's supposed to be like for a period of time when you can provide value. And then after that certain point, you're not going to be providing value. Like you're going to run out <laughs> almost surely. Well, yeah, it depends on the model. But yeah, yeah one, would, one would always want to look at that. I think your point is right. We want to work together as long as there is mutual value. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, and you're right. Like there are certain types where it could go on and on like wealth management or whatever, but mm-hmm. um, lots of consulting models. You're just, you're not married to them. It's going to end at some point and it might not be them. Like, I think that's the, that's the key. Like it might be you that decides that the relationship is no longer mutually beneficial or yes. needs to be rearranged or you're going to make some changes in your business. And like, that's, that's normal. I mean, imagine saying to an, like, imagine back in the day before remote work and you were like, or you were like worked at a restaurant. He's like, when I worked at a restaurant um, and I, and then I was going to move to Atlanta. Well, obviously I was leaving. I was making a life change. I was going to move from Providence to Atlanta. So, you know, obviously I'm not going to work <laughs> at this restaurant anymore yeah. because I made a, a life choice 
And so there's like no hard feelings. It's not about the restaurant. I'm not like quitting mm-hmm. the restaurant because, oh, I hate it here. It was because I was moving. And it's the same with your, if you're moving your business in a new direction, you're going to almost certainly leave some past clients behind. And the idea of, of being like, oh, well, I'll, I'll make this change once this relation, once they fire, you know, like once it's right. over is it's, uh, it's, it's not setting your own agenda for sure. It's definitely not setting your own agenda. And exactly. it also, I think, you know, just from a, like a psychological point, when you do that, it seeps into your relationships with future clients, mm. right? Because the minute you sort of feel like you have to do things, it kind of, it takes your power away mm-hmm. and you, it's like insidious. It's sort of like a drip, drip, yeah. drip, drip. You start to just think that you don't have power, but you do. You absolutely yeah. do. And I think that's part of the adjustment when you come out of like a corporate style role and you're you're creating your own firm. It's it's a it's a headspace adjustment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it starts with me. It starts in the initial sales interview where uh, I don't let them drive the agenda of the meeting. It's like I've got an agenda for the meeting. We are here to see if there's a good fit between our two companies and I'm going to let them do their brain dump about the project. And then I'm going to drive the, you know, I'll start to say, Hey, tell me about the project. What do you guys know so far? And they'll brain dump for a while. And then I'll pivot the conversation into the why conversation and start asking questions to kind of talk them out of doing the project at all, or talk them out of working with me or talk them out of doing it now. It's like, why not wait? Why why not not do this? What will happen if you don't do this? Mm. And it's very, and it, it, it right away in the relationship I'm kind of, it's not quite pushing back, but I'm testing them. You know, I'm like, I'm making it 100% clear that I'm not going to be told what to do. You're right? positioning they, yourself as a as an independent advisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, look, I, I want maximum customer satisfaction. So how are we going to do that? Like, what's going to satisfy you? It's like, yeah, I know you told me you need all the checkout and, and these logo needs to be bigger and blah, blah, blah. But how am I going to satisfy you? What's going to be the transformation that's going to blow your minds? Or if you can't think of that, what would be a disaster? If you paid me a million mm-hmm. bucks and we get to the end of this, what would a disaster be if you, if you can't figure out what the dream would be? And, you know, it, get them thinking uh, along those lines. But the, I guess the, the point of it for the purpose of this talk is like you're, you are uh, setting the agenda. Like you're literally setting mm-hmm. the agenda for the call. Yeah. And maintaining your power and if they were if they were saying stuff like no we don't want to tell you that or why do you need to know that or and just really like trying to maintain the power frame i'd just be like i don't think this is a good fit like you guys are looking for someone you want to just boss around so i can introduce you you know here's upwork (laughs) (laughs) you can sort by hourly rate and pick whoever you want but if you want someone who's going to anyway the point is you're you're defining boundaries at the very beginning. So the expectation is that it's going to continue like that. So when they ask for things that are out of scope, like, oh, can you put a carousel on the homepage? It's like, well, how's that going to contribute to our, our goal here? We're like, well, it mm-hmm. doesn't, but the competitors just put it on. We think it looks cool. It's like, well, let's let's save that for V2. If we get around to it, we'll get around to it after. Maybe a new engagement later. But, you know, this this kind of, it's all kind of the same thing. So everything from from like, uh, politely and humanely letting a client go everything for, or, or just straight up firing them because they're abusive everything from that the same discomfort that you might have about that is is kind of in a micro level 
way upfront when you're challenging the client in a sales meeting. Like you're challenging, you know, you're sort of like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing where, where I think a pleaser type of mentality doesn't want to do that. They want to say, yes, 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 I can do that. I can do that. I'll do that for you. I'd be happy to do that. And, you know, that's the kind yeah. of, in the irony of it is when you do that, especially at least, at least speaking from my kinds of projects that I work on, when you are a yes person like that, it's almost surely going to wreck the project because no one's, no, the wrong person's driving the project. So it's, it's that you know, you're, you're, you think by saying yes to all the requests that you're pleasing them, but in fact, they are not going to be pleased when the project ends up in a ditch over budget, you know, late. Mm-hmm. And the reason it is, is because you let them drive the bus, you know, like all of that, all of those yeses added up to, you know, a hundred percent more scope that they didn't really, they didn't really want. But in the moment, nobody had the self-discipline to be like, wait a second, maybe we shouldn't do that. Or this will definitely not contribute to the the outcome that we want. So let's not do it. Well, I always think about, you know, with consulting as part of the role of the consultant is to hold the vision for the project. Mm-hmm. That's your job. And it doesn't matter if you're a soloist or you're part of a giant firm. It's you got to hold that vision. In a way, the vision is your client. Yes, that's such a good way to put it. Yeah, you always want to know who your client is, which is usually the person who pays the bill, so that they're involved in all the key decisions. But it's it's holding the vision. That's yep. your job. And you know, if I want to get dramatic, I could say it's a sacred obligation, <laughs> right? You know? it's, but it that's is. exactly how I see it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. the, the cool part about that, I don't know if this is well. I guess it's on topic. The cool part about that is it's not an ego thing. So like a lot of, a lot of software developers will get into this or designers too. I've, you know, I'm just exposed to lots of people like that. So I see these examples where they're like, uh, you know, the client requests something and they sort of like their nose kind of turns up and like, well, that's not best practices or that will introduce technical debt or, you know, it's like, it's like, um, uh, it turns into this kind of like, um, turf war about who's writer, who's, who's right. And it's not about that at all. It could be, you know, if you if you can take your ego out of the pushback because, you know, setting your setting your own agenda is kind of like a boundaries thing. And like, how do you enforce your boundaries while maintaining a positive relationship with the clients? It, having that your sacred obligation to to the, the vision or the outcome, the desired outcome of the project, if that's your baby, that's the thing that you're trying to produce, then it's not about you being right or the client being wrong or vice versa. It's like, is this best for the project? And like, is this is this gonna get us closer to the goal? Because always, always, that's better, that's best for both of you. You know, so like you, you always wanna get there as quickly as possible. It Well, it also gives you a way to depersonalize difficult situations mm-hmm. where Joe mm-hmm. wants this and Sally wants that. And you can say, well, you know, what's, what's the vision for the project? What is the vision mm-hmm. asking for? It gets you there every time. Yep. I've seen projects where the consultant, you know, again, this is back in the day when people would meet in person, had a giant board. It was like a giant, it was like a giant blackboard. And they wrote down, it was too many for my taste, but wrote down, I think it was like nine values kinds of thing. It basically was like, mm-hmm. it was like the guidepost, the guardrails of the project, you know, mm-hmm. like the, the, the product, the outcome, it was going to be a product. The outcome needs to tick all of these boxes. And there were like nine, which, like I said, I think is too many. But uh, at least they had that. Mm-hmm. And because there were like 40 people working pretty Ouch. closely together. 
on you know over the course of maybe six months and the the project manager the leader really was an outsider and every time somebody had a, a great idea oh i had a great idea to like throw into the thing and he would go over to the board and be like which one of these things is this in service of and it'd be none of them right and it was just looming over them like this big this big you know nine commandments of the project sort of sort of thing so and you know and this is this is yeah i mean it's it's a lot about how to how to politely but firmly enforce the boundaries around the scope of your involvement with the client or um and this is it's a great uh it's a great tactic to be in service of the project and it's not like a, a, a pissing contest of egos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it is, it is easy to get our own egos rolled into something. And I, I find this for me when, when I was writing copy for clients and then I'd have somebody like tear apart the copy. I'm like, <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? That's an ego reaction. Yes. Right. And so I had that reaction privately and then the public reaction was, okay, this is what we're trying to do. How does, it's exactly what you just described. How does what you want to change this to meet our goal? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's, it, it is hard the first time because, you know, you did that work, you created that and somebody is saying your baby is ugly, <laughs> right? But it, yeah. it always goes back to what are we trying to do? That ultimately is the most important thing. It's the transformational outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, um, touch on lots of lots of different places where your agenda needs to be stuck to or set mm-hmm. so there's everything from like we need to you know you need to just work with the clients you want to work with that's a really big painful big. band-aid to rip off that's probably the biggest all the way to the other end of the spectrum where you're just meeting them for the first time and you need to set the agenda for the phone call otherwise it's just going to like be a waste of time for everyone and then everything in between where it's like increasing your prices or changing your mix of products and services or letting yourself scope creep into an advisory retainer with implement, like letting implementation work sneak into an advisory mm-hmm. retainer. Is there anything? I can't think of anything else in there. I mean, but the theme is it, it's, I don't want to say it's about power, but it's about making sure that maybe it's vision. Maybe that's the word. It's that your vision for everything is happening too. Like in the last one where we talked about you're holding the vision for the project, you help that, you help create that at the beginning. And then that becomes your role. You do the same thing for your business and, Mm -hmm. and it can change. It usually does. Yeah. It would be weird if it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Hopefully that helps someone. (laughs) <laughs> it's your business you're you drive it drive it you can yes. you can we give you permission to make changes to your own business and if you know and that is going to result in changes for your clients and that's normal yeah and you can handle it well and you can do it with integrity with honor it doesn't mean you always get that back from the other end but if you put that effort in 99 percent of the time it comes out positively on the other side yep yeah, I agree. Cool. All right, everyone, go forth and set your agendas. Yeah, <laughs> do it. All right, folks, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>